Hello and welcome to Beyond Markets by Julius Baer, a series featuring conversations with experts to share recent market developments, key insights and strategic inputs from around the globe. In each episode, we cut through the noise to bring practical advice and macro research on today's shifting economic and market landscape. Please listen to the important legal information at the end of this podcast. Hello, my name is Bernadette Anderko. I'm one of the investment writers at Julius Baer, and I'm delighted to be joined here today by my colleague David Cole, our Chief Economist. Hi, Bernadette. Thank you so much for joining me. In the next few minutes, we're going to talk about some of the big questions that investors are thinking about right now. There are a lot of topics to consider at the moment, including central bank policy, the likelihood of a recession, the impact of so many big firms laying their staff off now, and of course, the positive fact that China has abandoned its zero COVID agenda and is now open for business again. There's a lot of ground to cover, David, and I know that you've been talking to investors recently as you've been out and about explaining our outlook for 2023. I guess I should start by asking you what investors have been telling you their main concerns are. Well, we named the market outlook 2023 like the year of the cool down. And of course, there are opportunities there, but there are also risks on there. And this is exactly what investors are looking at. The year of the cool down sounds good uh, when we talk about inflation. Lower inflation is always welcome. But it includes also um, slower economic growth. And there is actually the challenges uh, where investors look at. And if uh, economies, but also financial markets and overall can handle slower economic growth, higher interest rates. These are the results from last year, basically, how 2022 has evolved and uh, the starting point for this year. So you mentioned inflation there, and it's clearly a topic that's front of everyone's mind right now. The latest data shows inflation in the US is coming down, right? That's correct. And it's coming down very fast. Uh, we have to say that. Uh, in particular, when you look actually all the six months back, last six months, inflation had been already very benign on a monthly to monthly comparison. And now we start seeing then also this yearly inflation rate, this year on year comparison, that the results are reflected in this measure. And inflation is coming down fast, and it will come down even faster in the US and particularly until the mid year 2023. And in Europe? Europe is different in a sense from timing wise. Uh, so here the inflationary shock came a bit from a different angle. Energy and food has been most of that, and a different time. Uh, so it was not the, the first half of 2022, but it was rather the full year 2022, or in particular also the second half of 2022 when it comes to energy. And that means that these favorable effects uh, we see right now in the US, they will show up in the Eurozone much later. So rather end of this year, probably only at beginning of next year, this is due to the mechanics, how we measure inflation. We compare always to the previous year, to the previous 12 months. And the nature, therefore, of the inflation in the Eurozone, it's that it's coming down later. Open questions remain for both areas, actually. If this price shock we have seen will translate in something more lasting in terms of that this price shock will trigger that prices rise again and again and again. This is the fear of investors. Yeah, This is basically what we call inflation. It's not only that prices changes once, but that they trigger reactions at uh, markets, but also at people, that they rise again. And here we are quite convinced that this will probably not entirely materialize, and particularly not materialize 
as lots of people, lots of investors fear, we think most of the price increases we have seen are one-offs uh, and will actually trigger, and that's how we called uh, this year, not only the year of the cool-down in terms of inflation, but also of growth. Uh, you can imagine that when growth starts to slow down, then probably people are also not so prepared anymore to pay these high prices or not even higher prices. So not again a price increase. Uh, this will dampen also inflation going forward. Uh, and uh, of course, this is the big, big challenge for this year. And uh, we are curious how it will turn out. And I would imagine that inflation is one of the biggest factors influencing central bank policy. We saw a 25 basis point rate hike from the Fed at their last meeting, together with an indication that they expect to hike further. What are your thoughts now on where the Fed goes from here? Well, inflation should relate to uh, central bank policy. There, there you are right. At the current point of time, we are a bit worried that uh, central banks are too obsessed with day-to-day -day inflation measures or months-on-month -month inflation measures. So why are they going in this direction? Our impression is they have lost some credibility last year, definitely so, missing the inflation increase, missing to react in a forward-looking manner. And uh, lots of central banks, and this includes the ECB, the Fed, are really keen to re-establish their credibility, to re-establish their inflation-fighting credentials they used to have, and therefore somehow ignoring a bit that their monetary policy, which had been tightened, which had been normalized in the first step quite fast, and which is in the US definitely restrictive, which is in the Eurozone moving fast into a restrictive territory. So they still are on this fight to inflation, despite they have moved already monetary policy considerably in restrictive territory. And as long as we watch that, we have to expect further interest rate hikes. We think it's not anymore that appropriate to move interest rates higher. Therefore, we have some deviation from our own view, what we think where interest rates should go. We think they are high enough in most places. But we listen, of course, to central banks, which are really convinced that interest rates need to rise more. And let's see who will win here in this game in terms of is inflation needs interest rates really to go up much further. Does this mean that you think the U.S. is going to avoid a recession? Well, near term, yes, definitely so. I mean, don't forget the expectations of a recession or the fears that a recession will emerge. They started already beginning of last year. And of course, forward looking in nature, looking at the next 12 months, there had been already a flattening of the yield curve, probably inversion of the yield curve. So that was the starting point where financial markets started to play the recession fear. Uh, this should have materialized then, beginning of this year. And no, we don't think that a recession will materialize at the beginning of this year. We see a very solid economic growth in the US, in particular uh, coming from the still solid labor market. But also in the Eurozone, we think a uh, recession can be avoided. And of course, there is some support here from the energy prices, which had been a shock last year to economic activity. But we think as well, this is just slowing down economic activity. And what's missing, both in the Eurozone and the US, is this self-feeding downward spiral, which is so characteristic for, for a recession. So slowing demand is not enough for a recession. What you need is that slowing demand triggers another slowdown of demand. Usually this is triggered by the labor market, which unemployment rates are rising, slows again demand. 
And this is something very special about the current slowdown of demand. We've seen it in lots of angles. We've seen lots of private consumption not slowing. We've seen housing uh, activities slowing, but we've seen not that employment growth is slowing. And this helps to stabilize the slowdown in demand and to really avoid the recession for the time being. So we don't think that there'll be a recession in the US, but one of the signals markets do like to examine to decide that is the US Treasury yield curve, which, as you've just mentioned, is currently inverted, meaning that short-term rates are higher than long-term rates. So traditionally, this is an indicator that a recession is on the way. Does that mean it's now actually a false friend? Well, first of all, it's a signal that uh, central banks are overdoing it. So financial markets have their price, have their interest rates, and this is usually the one with a longer duration, which is made on the market. And then it's the policy rate, which is the anchor in the short term. And when there is a disconnect between these two, either the central banks knows it better uh, in this case and think interest rates should be higher than what the financial market thinks. And this is a risky exercise, as you correctly outlined. That said, uh, in this yield curve or in this yield, which is uh, determined by markets, don't forget, this is an average of a number of opinions of market makers. Yeah? And of course, we, with our forecast, forecasting a recession, that's not an average forecast. That's a model forecast. That's our view, uh, which is based on certain indicators. So we think, yes, the average of a recession is higher than our own forecast. At the same time, we see a number of reasons why recession can be avoided. And that's why we put these probabilities uh, much lower for the time being. And what about the risk of a recession in Europe? I think also short term, and this has cleared quite a lot. Starting point here, really, the slowdown in demand has been more severe than in the US. In the US, the big fear had been fiscal support is going away or not being repeated last year. This has obvious uh, implications for slower demand. In Europe, it was an energy price shock which hit the economy. So question is here not how much it will slow GDP growth and does it qualify for a recession because two quarters in a row had been negative. That's not our approach. Uh, we also look here, trying to highlight the question, when this slowdown of demand hits the economy, does it trigger another slowdown of demand? And also in Europe, the dynamic of the uh, labor market is here essential. Do companies have a problem with demand? and fire people. And um, what we observe from surveys in the Eurozone is companies don't have a problem with demand and hire people. And this does not qualify really for recession. That's why we think also here we are far away from experiencing a recession, what it means really slowdown in demand, which triggers another slowdown of demand. When it comes to central bank activity in Europe, ECB President Christine Lagarde has definitely given the impression that there could be more hikes to come following their 50 basis points February hike. What's the story there? For us, puzzling uh, why a central bank really in this situation where it moved really away from a loose monetary policy bypassed or is still now at a neutral monetary policy does pre-commit itself in this sense. Uh, so when interest rates should be 100 basis points higher, then hike 100 basis points. 
but don't hike 50 basis points and pre-announce another 50 basis points. So that would be our take in terms of central bank communication uh, from the ECB. Um, is it still necessary to push rates even higher? Well, when the focus is very much to regain some credibility in terms of inflation fighting, maybe that's necessary. We would rather ask the question, when you hiked already rates that far, does like the most critical part of the economy react to that? And that's the credit activity, the credit cycle, the credit conditions commercial banks are offering to the economy. And here we observe that already last year, we have seen already that demand is slowing. That's at least what the commercial banks are reporting. And that credit standards are being tightened quite considerably. And we see now also in the credit flow data uh, that this is indeed the case. And therefore, uh, we would rather think that the central bank at, at some point will realize that their monetary policy is already working, is already having an effect on economic activity in the future, which will have then also an effect on inflation in the future and not current inflation. Moving away from central banks, we keep hearing in the news about big companies cutting jobs. Is this significant? I mean, do you think it's going to have a big impact on economic policy? Oh, it will, yes, of course, because uh, we have this uh, disconnect a bit between uh, we're hearing from companies, and particularly publicly traded companies, that they are cutting jobs. And here, the sector composition is such as that the big companies or, or the companies with, with a lot of employees are in the tech sector, are in the financial sector. Uh, and this has, of course, an impression uh, to financial markets, uh, to us as well. At the same time, from a uh, like more fundamental economic point of view, uh, or the Fed looks, or the labor market report, uh, which has been out for, for the US, this is very much influenced by low-paying service jobs. And um, these are basically not in publicly traded companies. So there is a disconnect. Um, low-paying service jobs are growing quite with a quite healthy rate. And high-paying tech jobs or financial jobs are being basically reduced. Um, this disconnect probably results in that uh, the financial markets is not that optimistic about the labor market, that financial markets realize, uh, listen, monetary policy is not only working its way through in terms of credit activity, uh, but also to the real economy, namely that, that companies are cutting jobs. So here it creates this disconnect. We think uh, probably the, the truth is somewhere in between. Yeah? But definitely so, we take the upbeat indicators for the U.S. labor market with a pinch of salt because of this uh, news here. And we think that this labor market strength, which is there, uh, should not be mixed like with a huge inflationary impact in the future. Moving over to the U.K., they've also just hiked rates. It pains me to say this, but does it really matter what the U.K. does these days? I mean, it feels as if Brexit's dragging on forever. How do you see the role of the UK on the world stage now? Well, of course, I think it matters quite a lot, actually, what the UK policymakers, but also what the society does there, how they react. And it matters actually for every country. And probably just coming back to the inflation picture or the inflation issue, what we experienced. And we think it's helpful to frame the inflation shock we experienced last year as a price shock. Prices have increased quite a bit. And now comes to the society or to the economy or to um, policymakers the question, how do we react to that? 
And different countries do it different way. And we experienced in this episode, and we're still experiencing in this episode, that countries which have lots of policy coordination, a very extreme example is Japan, where fiscal and monetary policy choose a very coordinated answer to this price shock by dampening the prices and in exchange not increasing rate that aggressively or not at all, actually. Other countries are somewhere in between. Switzerland, for example, also quite coordinated policy here, avoiding that fiscal policy adds to these price pressures. And then the central bank, which is also more muted, uh, reacting to inflation and not basically trying to re-establish some inflation-fighting credibility. In the UK, um, that's the more other extreme example where there is no policy coordination at all, we have to notice. That means that fiscal authorities signaled very early it's the fault of the Bank of England that inflation is so high. Well, when it's the fault of the Bank of England and they take it as their responsibility, they have to react more aggressively than other central banks. They did so earlier and now also quite aggressively. And this does not make things better, in particularly when inflation is coming from energy or food prices, which are naturally not good to be fought by uh, tighter monetary policy. So this lack of policy coordination probably it goes a long way back. You mentioned uh, Brexit. It's also there, like this polarization in the society leads often to um, the bad outcomes. Uh, let's put it like that. Um, it had been there. It caused the Brexit. It is still there. It causes poor policy communication. And also you can go on with uh, like wage arguments, actually, where should wages, how should wages react to this inflation push or to this price increase? This is also more smooth in some countries and less smooth in other countries. In the UK is an example, definitely. So how difficult it can be to deal with that when you don't coordinate. Finally, people have also been talking a lot about China reopening for business. I guess that this is going to have implications for the rest of the world too. What do you think this means for central banks? Well, in the first place, probably a bit more smoother global economic growth, more balanced. Uh, don't forget, 2022 had been also a year where one part of the world, namely the US, Eurozone, was booming with inflation and China was uh, in lockdowns uh, with rather deflationary elements you know, due to lack of consumption. So this is normalizing. This is like moving more together, slow down in the US, in Europe, um, where some pent-up demand coming on stream in China so that's a positive development in terms of coordination. But when there are positive developments, I think everybody looks at, oh, is there also some negative? And uh, this is also here the case, the big, big question, if when China recovers from this um, last wave of the pandemic, will there be something like this post-pandemic boom like we experienced in the U.S.? And um, this post-pandemic boom we experienced with the U.S., is, of course, related with this high inflation rate. There had been shortage in certain goods, and there had been very strong demand for, in particular, durable goods. We don't expect that this will materialize in China due to a couple of reasons. First of all, China has never given to their private households these amounts of money which had been transferred in the U.S. Don't forget, in the U.S., it was 25% of GDP which had been transferred from the public to private households. In China, it was 5%, and it didn't go to private households, it went to companies. 
So this is something which is lagging and makes it very different how these economies will recover after the pandemic. The second is that um, although there is some pent-up demand in private consumption in China, it has been held back not only by the zero-COVID strategy, but also by quite negative developments on the property sector. And the negative developments at the property, they are continuing. Yes, they are easing a bit. But that had been basically triggered by an over-leveraged property sector. So too much credit had been involved in the growth of the sector. This needs time to heal. This will continue. Definitely the worst is over there. But we are not back into the game where, again, private households can leverage up and buy properties Property developers can lever up with the help of private households. So we are not back in this game. And this will avoid that private consumption will come as powerful back as we have seen in the US. And final word, really what makes it also so different is, don't forget, in the US, there was a post-pandemic boom, while China, as a producer of a number of goods, had been still in lockdown. This is now different. China is a big global producer of all these goods, and we probably not consumed during a pandemic. And opening up these supply chains is also pretty helpful to relax the supply-demand balance or to bring it really supply and demand into balance and avoid price spikes and avoid at the end inflation. And you asked me, so what it means for central banks? I think they can be quite relaxed that this will not be another push to prices and create some self-feeding spiral of inflation. I'll just quickly summarise our chat for the listeners. We're not expecting a recession in the US or Europe in 2023. When it comes to rate rises, the US is pretty much done, but Europe has got further to go. We're expecting another 25 basis point rate hike there. And finally, China's reopening should not upset the apple cart, bringing as it does both demand and supply. Anything to add from your side, David? No, that's pretty much it. Thank you, Benedict. Excellent. And thank you so much for your time today, David. And with that, we conclude this edition of the Beyond Markets podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. We do hope you enjoyed listening to this conversation and we hope you'll join us again soon. Bye for now. Get ready for the day ahead. Moving Markets is a daily market news briefing from Julius Baer's leading experts. You'll hear all about the latest ups and downs across asset classes, the underlying drivers, and our thoughts on where markets are heading. Search for Moving Markets on your favourite podcast player. You have been listening to Beyond Markets by Julius Baer. If you like what you heard, subscribe to our show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. To learn more about Julius Baer, our people, our latest thinking, visit us at www.juliusbaer.com. We will be back with a brand new episode soon. This is a podcast disclaimer. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. The podcast content is intended for information purposes only and does not constitute an offer, a recommendation or an invitation by or on behalf of Julius Baer to buy or sell any securities, security-based derivatives or other products or to participate in any particular trading strategy in any jurisdiction. 
Julius Baer does not accept liability for any loss arising from the use of the podcast content. Please refer to www.juliusbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further important legal information.